0: New York City Mayor Bloomberg wants to plant a million trees in the next 10 years to help reduce air pollution. Good morning. I'm George Boraki, and this is Cityscape. On this morning's show, we'll take a closer look at the mayor's plan, find out what goes into caring for the city's trees, and learn why being a tree keeper on Governor's Island can be especially challenging.
1: Before going ahead with installing a new tree, we have to have a bomb expert come to sweep the area because there are unexploded ordinances on this island because it was a military base.
0: All that and more coming up on Cityscape from 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. A million new trees will join the urban landscape of New York City by the year 2017. It's part of Mayor Bloomberg's plan for a greener New York. I recently headed out to Flushing Meadows Corona Park in Queens to talk to one of the city's leading tree guys.
2: My name is Bram Gunther, and I'm the Deputy Director of Forestry and Horticulture for the New York City Parks Department. What does that title entail? The title is a big title, obviously. Uh, It entails the management and policy of forestry and horticulture for the Parks Department, which also impacts the policy for the entire city. So it's essentially, in a nutshell, about the conservation and preservation of our green spaces and also the expansion of them. So
0: right now, the Bloomberg administration wants to plant another million trees in the city in the next 10 years. Does that
2: fall under your jurisdiction? Primarily does. There's no way that we could plant a million trees in the city without some help from communities, from nonprofits, in particular, Bette Midler's group, who She was the one who initially suggested the idea of a million trees and then it was bought by the city. So with groups like hers and other community groups we ultimately hope to succeed and plant a million trees. What is the day-to-day like for the Parks Department as far as caring for the city's trees? There's 5.2 million trees in the city. We have jurisdiction for approximately half of that. Most of our management is focused on the street trees. For obvious reasons, they 're the most obvious trees, they're the trees that could pose the most danger to cars and people, and the trees on the right of way. So most of our management is focused on these street trees, and that involves having one borough forestry crews that respond to citizens and residents if there's particular emergencies or there's dead trees that need to be removed. Their response is a kind of an emergency response. However, in policy, we have a pruning policy, which is a 10-year pruning cycle. Previously, the city, if we were lucky, pruned the trees every 50 years. Now, each community board will have its trees pruned, which means managed, every 10 years. With Mayor Bloomberg's new plan, we hope to get that down to seven years for mature trees that's a very good cycle. For younger trees, we have a 2-year guarantee. All our young trees are planted by contractors. We don't have in-house planting crews. If it dies in those 2 years, those 2 years they must replace it. But in addition, there's a maintenance schedule. They must water that tree. They must remove the stakes. They must add mulch if mulch is necessary and also prune it. And those for the young trees. We would like to extend that warranty to be more like five years, because those are the most sensitive years of a new tree as it's being established. But right now, this is what we got.
0: Can anyone plant a tree on a New York
2: City street? If they see an empty tree pit, go ahead and plant? No. They can call their community board. The way it works right now, it might change, and it probably will change as a result of the mayor's new Plan YC. But for the moment, the way it works is if somebody wants a street tree on their block, if they are not the homeowner, they would have to recruit that homeowner or that landlord, say, I'd like our, our block to have more trees. The landlord would have to say yes. It would go to the local community board and then come to us. We hope to change that. And one of the ways we hope to change that is ha- instead of having individual tree planting, have whole block plantings. Take an entire block that might be treeless and say, you know what, this is unacceptable. We can't have a block in New York City without trees and just plant the whole block. So that would obviate the need for the homeowner and landlord. However, it does bring up some problems. There are some people who do not want trees. What do you do with them? I'm not sure the answer. Who doesn't want trees? The people, in our experience, who do not want trees, perceive trees, one, as a nuisance to their piping system. They have been told, it is a wives' tale, if I can use that term, that the tree's roots will invade, break their pipes in their water or sewer system, and then they'll have to fix it. The tree doesn't break pipes. If there's a hole already in the pipe, the tree root will find that. But the tree root does not break pipes. Litter on the sidewalk a individual is responsible For the cleanliness of the block in front of them, and sometimes people load up their garbage in front of the tree so they could get a sanitation summons. That's not a lot, but some people are concerned about it. And then some more eccentric complaints, like uh, somebody called and said, the tree that you planted in front of my house has too many flowers, so it's attracting too many bees, and I don't like it.
0: Are there certain neighborhoods of New York City that are more in need of trees than others right now?
2: There is definitely that case. We use geographical information systems, which is a three-dimensional mapping system, which allows us to see the canopy cover of New York City. And it is clearly revealed in our mapping that there are some neighborhoods, like in Staten Island, that are more suburban in flavor, that have a lot more trees than some neighborhoods which are considered more inner city, like Hunts Point or East Harlem, which have a paucity of trees. That positive trees is no longer just an ornamental issue; it's actually a health issue. It has been the amount of canopy cover in a neighborhood has been linked with the frequency. I'm probably not using the right medical terms, but with the frequency of incidents of respiratory diseases, particularly in children. So, therefore, it is our goal. Even if it wasn't linked to diseases, it would be our goal, but even more so that it is to plant up these neighborhoods that are lacking in tree canopy. They are, are, they are the priorities. When you get a disease,
0: trees can really be wiped out. From what I understand, Dutch elm disease, in one point in history, wiped out most of those trees in the city.
2: Yeah, the, some diseases can be really rapacious and really dangerous. The pest that, we, that is most insidious and that is taking the most amount of work on our time now is uh, the Asian Longhorn Beetle. And the Asian Longhorn Beetle is a beetle from China that came in packing wood and landed at one of the shipping terminals in Greenpoint, and that's where we initially found it. And about 50% of our trees are hosts to that Asian Longhorn Beetle, so potentially. 50% of our forest could be eaten away by the Asian longhorn beetle. Now, obviously we have a program where we do our best to keep it at bay, but it is a very dangerous pest. It favors maple trees, and maple trees feature largely both in our street tree forest and our forest in parks. So if it keeps spreading, we, but we could potentially lose a lot of our species diversity. Right now we have a hot, dry day
0: How much of a problem is drought in the city as far as trees are concerned?
2: Something like today is a non-issue because we've had rain consistently this spring. There's a reservoir of moisture in the soil, even though you picture a tree pit. Traditionally, a tree pit has been three by three, three feet by three feet since My boss, Fiona Watt, who's the chief of forestry and horticulture, took over. The standard tree pit is now five by five. However, we try to plant five by ten in all instances where possible, where the street allows. What that enables for the tree is a greater reservoir for water and nutrients. The larger the pit, the more it can, can contain these things over time. So, on a day like today, there's probably enough moisture uh, reserved, even in a 3x3 pit. However, the problems start in August. In July and August, when we get less rains, when we get 90 degree weather with deep humidity, most trees in this area are adapted to that period of dryness. A tree that we're surrounded by, this white pine tree over here, this oak tree here, these are long established trees, they can get through a drought with probably not many, that, that many problems. However, the new trees, the young seedlings, that not seedlings, the young saplings that we plant, trees that are not necessarily from this area, that are ornamental trees that we use for their prettiness, but they're not necessarily adapted to the climates here, that's when there's an issue, and therefore we need to get out and water. There's 592,000 street trees. We cannot physically water them all. We rely on the contractor to water the young trees, and then to a great extent we hope to recruit stewards in communities that will take, let's say, adopt a block of trees, say this block is mine, And in particular for July and August, I will give this tree 20 gallons of water a week, which is sort of a minimum for a tree. When I think of the benefits of trees, all I have to do is go, and I say, oh yeah, that's the benefit of a tree, but there's more than that. We know that they're giving us oxygen, but they're also giving us cleaner. They're taking in that particulate matter. They're taking in that pollutants, and they're storing it in their leaves. That is very altruistic of them. Energy costs. A house or a community that has more trees is spending less on heat and less on air conditioning, cleaning our water, filtering the water as it comes down the storm system, they're cleaning it out for us, you know, carbon dioxide storage. But there's all these types of things. So we now have a system developed by the University of California at Davis with the, University, with the U.S. Forest Service where we can now calculate the environmental value of a tree. So we could say that 40-year-old oak tree is worth this amount of money because it does this type of work for the neighborhood. If a developer wants to come in and take down 100 trees to put up some condominiums, we can say, well, this is what you're taking away from the neighborhood. I'm going to steal a question from Barbara Walters here, Bram, and ask you, if you could be a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? (laughs) Well, my favorite tree is a dogwood tree. And the reason is I love the flowers it produces. It produces this kind of green white flower that I find just gorgeous. I don't know if I would choose to be that tree though, partly because it's very vulnerable to diseases. There's a dogwood anthracnose right now, so it's killing off a lot of dogwoods. So I guess if I was probably gonna choose to be a tree, it would probably be an oak tree. You have an unfair advantage in answering that question because you know more about trees than most people. That's right. Most people are probably going to choose what they think is the prettiest tree. But oaks are very hardy. They live a long time. They're tough trees, and they're good-looking trees, and they have beautiful leaves. So I probably would choose to be an oak tree. Bram, thanks so much. You are welcome.
0: Bram Gunther is the Deputy Director of Forestry and Horticulture for the New York City Parks Department. Okay, so if the city plants a million more trees will there be enough people to care for them a local group is working to make sure there are we'll meet them next you're tuned to cityscape on 90.7 fm and wfuv.org good morning i'm george Bolarki. This morning, I'm in Battery Park in Lower Manhattan, I'm looking out at the Statue of Liberty. It's a gorgeous morning, plenty of sunshine, nice warm temperatures. Here in the park, there are folks wearing hard hats, orange hard hats, white hard hats, green hard hats. They have goggles on, they have harnesses on, and they have plenty of rope. What they're doing is they're learning how to climb trees, how to prune trees. It's a program offered by the group Trees New York. I'm looking at a sign right now that says Tree Work Ahead. We're going to spend some time out here this morning talking to the folks about what's involved with this program and
3: what they hope to gain from it. My name is Sam Bishop and I'm from Trees New York. I'm the education director. Take, take the slack out. Stand up. Take the slack out again. You want to keep that line taut and then your weight rests on that line and your feet just steer you on the branch. This is our job training class. We're training people to be professional tree climbers and arborists. That one's gonna be almost impossible to walk on because of the the angle. Try the other one. My name is Dashe Williams. I'm from the Bronx, New York. I've worked at casinos, you know. I've worked in stores. Why I've come to do this? Um, It's something different. It's more of a challenge, too, and plus you're outside. I'd rather be outside than inside. All right, so you're working with Cat to get up into there? Yeah. All right, so this is the whole thing on it, is what we try to teach them is working in teams of setting up to get up into the tree. So they've got to supply each other with the help and knowledge that they have in order to get up into that tree. I'm Joe Bernardo. I'm the urban director for urban forestry for Trees New York. These are predominantly London Plain Trees, and I use these here specifically for the training. It's a very slippery tree to work in, so therefore they don't get overconfident. They've got to be sure that their footing is correct, that their hands are correct, that they're doing everything correctly. So it's a good tree to practice on. Every day uh, you take the course as a challenge. My name is Richard Pagani. I am from Brooklyn. Uh, I'll tell you, before the course, I was terrified of heights, and uh, I guess I conquered my fears after taking this course.
4: The perspective is interesting to look when you're up there, you're like, wow, I'm only 60 feet? Like, you think you're 100, but. Hi, my name is Jackie BB, and I'm from New York. I've been surprised with actually being able to get up there and doing it. Being up uh, 65 feet and looking at the world in a whole new way, I guess. So, if I was gonna footlock,
3: stand on top of your left foot. Don't worry at all about your left foot, just worry, just think about standing all your weight on your right foot on top of your left. There you go.
4: I want to become a certified arborist, absolutely. I did general environmental studies, both bachelor's and a graduate degree, and I never had a focus, never knew what I wanted to do, and I came to this small little class and I went, wow, that's exactly what I wanted to do. (laughs) So it's going to be a little bit difficult being a woman Uh, It's mostly a man-dominated field. Timber!
3: My name is Rosella Williams, and I'm from New York City. We are going to chop the wood now. We're going to use the chainsaw, which is kind of fun. I see trees in a whole new way now. Whenever I walk outside, I just, I look for dead branches. You know what I mean? I look to see where the tree needs to be taken care of.
0: A tree-climbing and pruning class in Lower Manhattan's Battery Park. You can get more information at treesny.com. Some of the oldest trees in town are actually on an island, and we're not talking about Manhattan. Earlier this week, I hopped on an early-morning ferry to Governor's Island. It takes about seven minutes to get there from Lower Manhattan. The 172-acre island is home to old fortresses, pre-Civil War arsenals, abandoned military housing, and some 4,000 trees. I spoke to an arborist who cares for some of them.
1: We've just put up these plaques here around the park to identify the various tree species and their Latin names, so when people come here to go on their picnics or whatever they come here to do, they could kind of take in and learn a little bit about the trees and the species and have a a better appreciation for for the, the different types of trees that are on the island and when they were you know, planted and how old they are because these are very, very big trees from Manhattan. My name is Justin Rawson. I am an arborist with the Olmsted Tree and Shrub Care Company out of New Rochelle. What's it like to work on an island like this? It's beautiful because once you get out here, it's uh, nice to look back at the city in Jersey and Brooklyn. You could see three different major metropolitan areas. The hard parts, getting everything over here, the equipment, the trucks, the men, getting through the city. Logistically, a very difficult job, but but once it once you're on the island, it's worth it. You have to load all of that on a ferry. Yes, and we have to get here very very early. I have to wake up the guys, get them some coffee, uh, get them well fed, get them over here and ready to work. And uh, we're on the ferry usually by six forty-five, seven thirty, leaving New Rochelle five thirty in the morning, five fifteen. So it's a it's a full day. From what I understand, there are four thousand trees on this island. Approximately. We're, we're in charge of, of the northern part of the island, which is uh, Colonel's Row, Nolan Park, the historic areas. There are several plans in motion to develop the southern half, turn it more into a park, level the existing structures such as the old housing for the, for the Coast Guard families. Uh, but the, the traditional, more colonial-type houses you see around here are, are going to be saved and, and renovated, uh, as well as the other parts of the, uh, the northern part of the island. And what specifically are you doing with the trees? We are uh, inventorying the trees, making sure that they are all safe and secure, so when when people do come out here to visit the island, we don't have any uh, branches coming down haphazardly and doing any damage to anything. We are monitoring them for disease and insects, um, especially the the elms with the Dutch elm disease, the English elms, the American elms, which have uh, traditionally uh, been affected by that disease and wiped out over many uh, regions of the United States. What about the Asian longhorned beetle? Is that a problem here? It is not a problem on this island per se, but they have found it recently off the coast of Staten Island, which gives them reason to believe that they can move out of the quarantine zone into islands. So we do have to have the trees checked and surveyed before we bring whole wood off the island. We can chip it on the island, but if there's anything that we can't chip up, we have to have it certified to be removed by the the Agricultural Markets Department uh, by the state of New York. I'm looking up here at a red oak tree. What kinds of trees are on the island besides this red oak? Um, besides the red oak, we have many, many large tulip trees. You can see behind you over there. These are the tallest trees in this section of North America. They can grow up to 150 feet, which are why they are struck by lightning here. They are the tallest structures on the island, barring one of the... Uh, the chapels or the points of uh, the, the other buildings around here. We also have American elms, English elms I could discuss before which get the Dutch elm disease, uh, pin oaks, maples many, many, many London Plains trees which are probably the most widely planted tree in the world. Uh, city tree that is. And uh, very tolerant of the urban condition. Are these trees very old? Um, yes, many of them uh, date back to the Civil War around the time when this, this region called Nolan Park was developed. You have um, trees here that uh, range from about 75 years old to uh, almost 150. They were all planted in, in a design plan, and many of them are still here. Uh, many of them are gone, but uh, replanted with, with the other species. How do you determine which trees have to come down? Uh, there is actually a very rigorous um, plan that is put together by the International Society of Arboriculture called the Hazardous Tree Inspection, where you... you basically go through and you you test different aspects of the tree, look at the crown, look for any cracks, fissures, you look to see if there's any high target areas, meaning if there's a picnic table under there, um, a housing uh, area, any type of high traffic zone. Uh, If there's high failure potential with the tree in in a high traffic area and it doesn't seem like either could be moved or fixed, the tree is usually deemed hazardous and and may be uh, recommended for
0: removal. Besides lugging all of your stuff over here, what are the other challenges of working on this
1: island? I'd say the other challenges have to do with the, with going through the process of removing uh, the trees. We have to have a person from the, the New York uh, archaeology uh, come over here, somebody who is a certified archaeologist with the state, to make sure that when we when we fell anything or when we're digging up any holes or grinding any stumps, that the area is not sensitive because there were Indians here, there were Dutch um, settlers here, there were English, there were Americans and, and the military. So there are there's a, a variety of things that we could find in the, in the soil that would be of historic impact. And basically their sense is if, if it is damaged, it's gone forever, so better safe than sorry. Check everything out, dig a hole, make sure there's no artifacts in the ground. The other thing is we have to have a bomb expert come to sweep the area because there are unexploded ordinances on this island because it was a military base. So there's, that is the other very difficult thing that we have to consider before going ahead with installing a new tree, felling trees, uh, stump grinding, um, and the likes. That's something you don't have to worry about in a backyard? No, no, not at all. Not up in Westchester County, not over in Queens. Uh, we don't worry about uh, getting blown up. So um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Has anything been discovered that you know of? Uh, they, they have said they've, they found some old cannonballs, nothing that was very dangerous to the population, but, you know, they, they'd rather be safe than sorry. This used to be used. A lot of the, the history of this island goes, it was it was settled by the Dutch. Um, it was taken over by the English in about 1674 when they took over New Amsterdam, named it New York. Uh, they named it Governor's Island after uh, Lord Cornberry, who was the governor of New York, notorious for walking around in dresses, after that it became basically a garrison to defend from, from further English attacks. They put the, the Castle Williams over there as a battery uh, along with Battery Park and some other various batteries along the Hudson and uh, they pretty much turned into a military base until about ten years ago where they transferred it to the city of New York and now we're here trying to check out the trees. We've worked here um, in the past but this is the first time we're really trying to rehab everything on the island. Did you know this much about the island before you started working here? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I like the history of New York. I've studied it, but but in particular, I didn't know too much about it until I walked on. Justin, you are now, I guess, an arborist slash tour guide. Yes, and I will be here every... No, just kidding. I will um, hopefully be be taking care of this place for for some years to come and, and making sure that these trees look good and safe for everyone to enjoy. Thanks so much for your time. Okay, thanks, George.
0: Arborist Justin Rawson helps to maintain trees on Governor's Island. He works for the Olmstead Tree and Shrub Care Company, based in New Rochelle. We're almost at the end of this week's Cityscape. But before we go, let's run down some of the more famous individual trees here in New York City. We all know Betty Smith's 1943 novel, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, Right. Well, Smith chose the Elanthus tree, sometimes referred to as the tree of heaven as a central metaphor, because of its ability to grow in infertile and neglected areas. But the Elanthus is actually an invasive species, brought to America in the 1780s, and is especially difficult to eradicate. Some have counter-nicknamed it the tree from hell. Either way, you can see them all over Brooklyn and throughout the city. Next, can you think of perhaps the most famous tree in New York City? Go ahead, take a guess. It's seen by hundreds of thousands all around the country, each and every week. It's met more celebrities than just about anyone in New York. It's the so-called Tree of Hope, which sits backstage at the Apollo Theater. Well, the tree originally stood outside on 7th Avenue between 131st and 132nd Streets, where it became a symbol of good luck for the entire Harlem community. In 1934, 7th Avenue was widened, and the tree, well, it was cut down. But an employee of the Apollo bought a large piece of the trunk and placed it backstage. Ever since, right before they hit the stage, performers have touched it for good luck. And then there's the so-called Hangman's Elm in Washington Square Park. Legend has it that during the Revolutionary War, traders were hung from its branches. But some historians claim that the tree itself was never used for hangings. The gallows placed at the base of the tree led to the misnomer. Either way, what we do know is that in 1989, the Parks Department determined the tree to be 310 years old. That would make it almost 330 years old today. And it's likely the oldest tree in Manhattan. We recently went out to Washington Square to see what parkgoers knew about this famous tree.
2: Yeah, English shell um, says the
1: hang... No, is it the hanging? Yeah, you can't even read it. <laughs> One would expect that there would be a, a better sign for it, you know, being at the oldest street in Manhattan.
2: I'm Yesenko. I'm from Bosnia originally. I work at a library here at NYU. Yeah, I actually walk through this park like every day almost and never notice this street, no, I would just say.
5: I'm Judith Levin, and I'm from New York City. And we live in the village, and what's your name? Theo. And what's your last name? All Good. All Good. I always heard that it was the hanging tree, and I, and I don't really know why it's called the hanging tree, but I'm assuming maybe they, um, people were hanged from it. <laughs> um, it's so huge. So I'm guessing, what do you think? Do you think it's 100 years old? Yeah, probably 100. Maybe more than 100? Do you think it's 200 years old? Yeah, probably 200. Do you think it's 300 or no? Um, no. Okay, so we're saying 200? Okay, so we're guessing 200 years old. 328 years old. So that means when that tree was here, probably none of these buildings or very few of these buildings were here. Any of them, I don't know. I don't think any of them. Yeah, we were playing baseball, that's what we thought. You thought it was really old? Yeah, we thought it was like... um. That's
3: what we thought it was. My name is Morella August, I'm from St. Lucia, the Caribbean. I'm always looking at a tree. I'm saying like, it's a huge tree. It might cause accidents. Like, sometimes when it's windy, it might just drop down because you can see it's really old, too. Criminals. Yeah, I just know it was the tree where they used to hang people. Joe Simpson. I haven't come to the park a long time. Every day we play scramble here. In fact, we were sitting under it when one of the branches was in bad shape. They had to take it off because, look, like I was going to fall on our heads. All the tourist guides stopped the people there and, and they gave them this bill. I understand it's the, the oldest in, in Manhattan, I believe.
0: New Yorkers standing under the 110-foot Hangman's Elm in Washington Square Park. It's one of New York City's oldest trees. You can check it out for yourself on the northwest corner of Washington Square Park. And that brings this week's Cityscape to a close. Hopefully you can branch out this weekend and discover some of New York's green spaces. And if you're interested in exploring Cityscape's roots, remember that our archives are located at WFUV.org, where you can also find information on our podcast. Okay, enough tree puns. We'll leave you here. I'm George Borarchy. My thanks to producer Jody Avergan. Have a great weekend.